Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Security Table, where I thought we were going to have a new member of the table, uh, even though there was a, literally a dog sitting here a second ago. And so welcome to the second half of what's already been a 30-minute conversation behind the scenes about lots of different under the things table. and under the table. Yeah, that was that's our new podcast. It's called Under the Table. Uh, we, we, we use a drinking game format and uh, based on various, various four-letter acronyms, like if someone says, you know, DAST, it's like drink your entire whatever you have in front of you. S-bomb is just a single shot. There's just a whatever happened bomb. to RTFM. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we do have a serious topic that we want to talk about today, and that is bug bounty. And is it still useful in the year 2024 or 2025, depending on when you're listening to this? So bug bounty. Let's let's start by just laying out what do we think when we say bug bounty, what do we think it is? And I've already talked enough. So who wants to define bug? Like, what is a bug bounty? What is a bug bounty? So bug bounty is uh, simply a company makes something available for security researchers to look at, provides an opportunity for security researchers to do legitimate work, to find issues and report them responsibly for some sort of payment. Right, they don't do it off. They don't do it for their civic responsibility. From our last episode, uh, they don't do it for the goodness of their heart. They do it for swag and a leaderboard and 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 money. Uh, so it's basically paid QA for security issues. Okay. So that leads me to think right mm-hmm. off the top: Is bug bounty cheaper? for less expensive for an organization versus what they may have done previously? Like is bug bounty pre- preventing or, or pushing off pen testing? So we're doing less pen testing because we have a bug bounty. And is that bug bounty costing less than what we, maybe we did in the past? Cause I've heard some horror stories about people in the bug bounty, like researchers that aren't making very much money, but are what they're doing a lot of work and they're getting paid like over time, what they're getting paid is going down more and more. Like it's not like the, when Bug Bounty first started, when there was a lot of hype and there was a lot of money being thrown around. Like it's it's become not as lucrative as an opportunity. Whereas the top level people make lots of money, but there's lots of people that are spending a lot of time that are not not making very much money in their in their endeavors. So, what do you guys think about that? Well, well there's I, a lot in that. Yeah, so I so, think maybe. You, Unpack it. So, well, actually, let me just, I'll just throw in a, 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 a possibility here. We have heard over the years that it is cheaper to fill, to fix issues sooner in the development lifecycle than later. The so right off the IBM bat, study. Yep. Well, or, we don't know or Veric- if it exists, but yeah, and okay. Verico did one and, and yeah, others, others have copied it over the years and well, we pitch it because, well, if you want to do threat modeling to find design issues before you build it into your product, because in theory it's cheaper and whatnot. And so if you hold that view, then a bug bounty is you've already shipped. And so you've already spent engineering time to build something in that, that now you're going to give to QA to, to you, to QA testers who are not your own to find your, find problems and report them to you that you're then going to pay them for. You're probably going to pay them a lot less than a full-time employee, uh, but but you're going to get and you're going to get varying quality of, of results. So, is it cheaper? To your point, I I think there's an argument to be made that it isn't, 
unless you get a high volume of quality results. Yeah. So I'm going to start talking and I have no idea where I'm going to run <laughs> with this. I do but, that every um, day. So that's, that's a common occurrence for me, but go ahead. But uh, okay. So once upon a time, pen testing, it was a very um, exclusive thing. You had a very limited number of people who were able to properly or changing values of property, do a pen test. And before standards came up and, and people started looking at things in a more industrial kind of way, I think, it was very much a game of chain, chance. What kind of results you would get because it was natural to expect that any given pen tester would focus more on those things that are more interesting to them or that they know more about. And you could be shown, hey, you have this one thing here, but that didn't say anything about the other huge amount of things that might be there and did not get discovered in, pen, in a pen test. Now, when you turn that around to bug bounties, then you end up with, at least the scenario that I have seen, perhaps doesn't reflect the whole industry, but that's my, my personal experience. You end up with people who are very good at a specific thing, and rather than just that one place, they go looking at all the things that offer a bug bounty for that specific thing. Hmm. So it could be said that if your bug bounty is well uh, managed and, and well put out there and you invite the right people or you open it to the public, it could be said that you are getting a certain amount of depth in that specific thing, hoping that there's enough breadth in the number of people who are coming to your bug bounty that that's going to end up giving you better coverage than uh, a pen test. Of course, by this, I'm not talking about those pen test uh, providers that we know and, lo and love who give you like a team and the team is diverse and, and all that good stuff. But those are expensive beyond limit, right? And so so along, that, along that, I'm going to interrupt you because no, no, I, know you, you, I know you want to talk and talk and talk, and, and, but I want to ask you a quick question on this. Me? Yeah, you. When have I ever done that? <laughs> so, so... Because you bring up with pen, with pen testing, right? The big thing about pen testing is scoping. Bug bounties are also scoped. Do you find, I, I guess in your experience, have you found that bug bounties are A, properly restricted to, to focus the, the, the ask for the, for the crowdsourcing, yet not too restrictive as to, as to bind that crowdsourcing in terms of the technology type or, or other, other factors you were just talking about? So I personally have seen at least two kinds of bug bounties that come to mind. Those that are scoped per property. Hey, here's our thing. Go and break it. Mm -hmm. And those that are scoped by kind of stuff that you want to hear back. We are interested in, oh, I stop that, whatever. Right? So what was the question again? Do you find do you find that do you find it overly broad or overly restrictive on average okay, for bug so bounties? The, the 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 overly broad I, I I have seen teams that have to keep answering people, especially because there's a lot of spray and pray in that. They have to keep telling people, hey, sorry, thank you for your for your submission, but that's out of scope. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that HackerOne has put some statistics about that kind of thing or whatever. But on the other hand, yes, sometimes you, you could, by design, 
make it so restrictive that you're going to get a limited uh, set of results. Then the question is, the question is, are you doing that out of, I don't want to say ignorance, but out of limited resources? Or <clears throat> are you doing that because you think that that's the beat of your process that's lacking and you want more deeper verification on that specific thing? And if that's the case, what do we as practitioners can learn from that focus to improve our processes? Something you said just made me think of bug bounty theater. Do we have bug bounty theater these yeah. days where like bug bounty is one of those things that's it's like expected. Like if you ask a, a good sized company, say even 200 people and more in, in the startup world, oh, do you have a bug bounty? Yes. It's like one of those checkbox items now, like everybody mm -hmm. has one. Um, but I guess, is there, is there a, is there bug bounty theater happening where people really aren't getting results from it, but they're playing along because this is something we have to do now to look like we're serious about security. So they have the program, but they're not paying anything out because they're not getting any quality results because they've scoped things in such a way that doesn't allow somebody to just go wide open on their system and break it in any way they possibly can. Or, or they're, or they're scoped it to, Oh, uh, we want to understand our, our sales platform or our, uh, our community support site and not the thing that we're actually selling. Hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, they may have completely scoped out the thing that people are caring about when they asked you of a bug bounty and yet they still have a bug bounty. So to that point, I guess, is that, is that happening? And is that a prevalent thing? So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, Bruce Schneier and I just, just went together on this term bug bounty theater because <laughs> he invented this idea of security theater. And so I'm taking it and we're evolving it one step further into bug bounty theater. Cause one of my challenges I've always had with bug bounty is companies will start bug bounty too early. Like they'll build a new product. Like we have to, we have to do a bug bounty for this. And like, they would get like cross-site scripting, then be paying, you know, five grand or 10 grand for a cross-site scripting. It's like, you could have just done this yourself. Like this is part of just good hygiene and, and by not having pro applying proper security engineering processes, principles, components to the thing that you built, you just created something and you threw it to see if it would stick on the wall and you yeah. let people start going after it. And so no, that's, wait, wait. it's always been my challenge. Yeah. No, but, but those are two different problems. The, the bug bounty theater is basically the same thing as self-attestation. You are telling the world, hey, I, I have this part of my process. If you do or you don't, I don't care. You can always say it's a, it's a limited invitation only thing and go prove that they don't have one. Mm -hmm. But the throw it out and get people to test it for you, that's more of a... I could see in certain in certain instances, for example, a very small startup with something that they think that could be high profile very quick, throw it out as part of testing and, and be ready to pay for that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would call the theater as much as a, a conscious transference, tra transference of responsibility to the world out there. So I'm saying, hey, I know that I have to do testing. I know that right now I'm not equipped to do that well, unless, you know, you run DAST. Well, that's but, uh, <laughs> what, what you just described, though. What you just described is what I refer to as responsible bug bounty. 
Yeah, which is the but, opposite of of bug bounty theater. So I'm but, just but that could happen at, at that could happen at every level. I think that the bug bounty theater would be to come up and say, "Oh, we have this bug bounty, and it's very limited. We only get really uh, elite super bug bounty <laughs> hunters and whatever." By the way, you're not one of them. Don't ask for details because we're not going to give it to you. But rest assured, we have good people on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. that for me would be bug uh, bug bounty bug bounty theater. But the other one, the other one, I could see that transference of responsibility being done in a logical way. Responsible bug bounty, which yeah, that's the way you... bug bounty was supposed to be done. What you just described is a fair assessment of how the bug bounty should work and should be used by a company. Yep. And Matt disagrees with us, so let's hear that. I was just going to say crowd, crowdsourced security testing. So how how is that different from hiring a, contra- a, con- a contractor or consulting firm to do your testing for you. Well, you only pay for results. Yes. Right. So you pay for a, you, you hire a contractor. How many times have you seen a pen test report where it comes back and they're like, we didn't find anything. And I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Anybody can find anything in any, like no system is so secure that there is zero findings to be had with it. You're not yeah. for false negatives. I'm, I'm going to talk. We, we can talk about scope. We have to talk about scoping yet again, then if we're going to do that, because that's the, Pen t- the problem with pen test, and I guess maybe I'm answering my own question. You know, thank you for hooking this together. Pen testing is usually time and time resource boxed, mm-hmm. whereas bug bounty is open ended to some extent, but results and oriented and results oriented. Pay for yeah. pay for results basically. Right. But but Which you I- don't get maybe you don't get the control it as much. So in other words, you're really relying on somebody. It's not like an Uber. You're not calling an Uber to do testing. You're 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 sort of uh, bird watchers. If you happen to be on the field and you happen to find an issue and you happen to report it and you happen to know what you're doing, I'm going to get the results from that. I'm going to pay you as a result, but as yeah. opposed to, I want to hire you to actually find problems on my schedule. <laughs> well, one thing that gets that doesn't get discussed enough, I think, as usual, when when it's about looking into the engine, is the internal side of bug bounties, right? So, if you're an AppSec team and you have a, a, a bug bounty. And you're using one of the the bug bounty uh, manager services out there. Every time that you get something, there's a uh, an interesting discussion around risk, around the uh, prioritization, because the person presenting the bug wants to bring that criticality up as much as they can, so that they earn more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, true. So wait, the so middle want, of the world. Do you want to explain to people what the what the pay how how bug bounties pay out? On, wait, 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 on... wait, wait, wait. The middle <laughs> of the road, the, the the maintainer is just just trying to like basically play a broken telephone game with a person that knows what they are attacking and what they're getting, and a person that knows the inside of the system and their own criticality and 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 severity scale, and. The AppSec team is just trying to decide, is this something that I have to stop everything now and deal with it? Yep. Or is this one more person telling me that my certificate is going to, exp- to, 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 to end in six months and I should pay a bounty for them to tell, tell me that? So just having the, the, the bug mounted doesn't... Well, it does. It, it does take some work off of the AppSec team, but it gives them more work at the same time. Yeah, because they have to triage. They have to triage the results to decide whether, and you brought up another point, this contention between the researcher says this is a critical, 
the AppSec team says this is a low. <laughs> and but but apart from the triage, if if you do internal triage, at least it's two two groups trying to talk about the same thing using the same language. Mm-hmm. Engineering wants to bring that criticality down as much as they can so that they don't have to deal with it, and AppSec wants to bring it up as much as it they think it should be so that it's dealt in the right time frame. Yeah. But now when you put the bug bounty in place, now now it's three people talking completely different views of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a the, there is even much more in that interaction because now you have a translation layer to put on top of the triage. Yeah. But those those kind of operate in a vacuum though from what I've seen. Being like I've not seen a bug bounty where engineering appsec team are working together on criticality. It's normally the appsec team that's triaging and then reassigning those tasks for mitigation via engineering resources without their without them having a say into what the actual criticality is. That, then it's even worse in that case because now you have twice the process. Once to determine how much the, the payout is going to be and once to determine how fast the solution is going to be. Yeah. Well but, so is uh, the is the scheme is the scheme flawed then? So should should payout be based on criticality? We talked about this. We brought this concept up last last time, also uh, last last session. Well, I guess it hasn't posted yet, so people will see it when they see it, and then it'll be the last one. Uh, that always be the last one. It's always be the last one. But they'll, you know, we, we talked about this idea that. Um, so if you see this out of order, you won't know what I'm talking about until you see the last one. Uh, that um, should should these types of issues, if you're going to submit. Uh, a flaw, a flaw, a bug, whatever, or vulnerability, or a PR. Um, and in this case, I guess a bug bounty submission. Should this be? Um, should you pay for for quality quality of the report, not severity of the issue? In other words, if the bug if the bug bounty is if the bounty really is paid and bounty, I get and you, I mean, it could be again leaderboard, it could be financial, it could be other things. Um, you know. It maybe needs to be a, a submission of a problem and a fix, or yeah, problem and some sort of mitigation. Oh, we did talk about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I think opposed, you know, as to, to that, that point of quality, though, like nobody's ever going to pay on quality, right? Because yeah, but watch what happens. I'll just go write a bunch of quality reports for low findings and get paid mm-hmm. at a higher rate because of my quality metric that they're being paid on, right? It's it's a pay for performance. And the the most critical things are gonna are gonna drive the biggest payouts because they're gonna be the things that if they were zero days that were in the underground, not known, or if one, a researcher found it and then went the other way, because that's the other thing we haven't even touched on yet, right? There's a whole marketplace for re- security research, an underground marketplace. Some of it's not underground, some of it's above ground, but like nation states <laughs> pay for exploits. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a market. There's a there's a there's a whole cottage industry of nation states that will buy exploits from security researchers. Mm-hmm. So now you've got this dilemma as a researcher between do I play in the in the bug bounty space and minimize the amount of money or do I take something juicy and try to broker it through the underground? I, I have What's, the feeling that we are not talking about the same players. And now we're talking about ethics, right? We're talking. We have that ethics conversation about ethics. And, always and, comes into everything, man. No, 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 no. But even even before that, even before that, I okay. think that the people who are in the market for zero days at the national security level, 
are not the same people who are running around spraying your brain on bug bounty. Bug, oh, yeah, I think they totally are. I think they're some mm. of the same people. I don't think – I think they – why would they not use – if you've got the level of skill to be able to find exploits and sell them to nation states, why not dip, double dip on both sides of the equation? Because he's then, talking you about, about, then you go to pawn to one and you get a million dollars and you, you go to sleep. But, but I right. think you're talking you're talking about spray and pray. You're talking about what we traditionally have called script kitties. You run the script, you run the you run the the scanner, you run the DAST script, whatever, and you get a result and you report it. So which the the company could have done themselves, but they didn't, and so they went ahead and so are we are we drawing a conclusion that the majority of bug bounty work that's happening right now is equated with script kittiness of the two thousands. No. No, no, not no, not no, suggesting no, that at all. No, no, just at all. I was just I was commenting looking for controversy. What, so yeah, no, I was no, just com- I was commenting on what Izar was saying is spray and spray and pray is you, you identify you create a it could be a menace too, right? It somebody is running a a test that either they wrote or somebody else wrote against a whole swath of stuff and submit 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 submit, right? Uh, just an example. Okay, so somebody who specializes in all forms of of uh, uh, server side uh, reference. Whatever SSRF. SSRF. And then they go from bug bounty to bug bounty looking only for that. Because they know the vectors, they know the ways, they know how to exploit, they know how to they know that very well. Right? Mm -hmm. So that that's my spray and pray. It's not somebody it's it's not not somebody just running a script against different targets. So I misunderstood. I I, I would describe that as I thought you were talking about scripting. Yeah. yeah. I would describe that as at some point it becomes. At at some point it it may become, but not that's good business. On their part, that's good business. Yeah, take, it is. To it become is. very good at one thing and then try to find a thousand places I can I can recoup money on. I mean, hats off to them. Or until nice job. until we wake up and figure out that hey, there is a one shot way of solving this. Do something with a library. Do something with settings, whatever. And then that crumbles, and they they move to the next one. But again, it's very smart people. It's very experienced people. And if they focus on that, they have an opportunity to make a decent amount of money, right? Now, just from, to go back from, legi- who are, from legitimate from, from legitimate, legitimate works, right? right. Yeah. Now, to to go back to the, the 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 zero day thing, just imagine the amount of stuff that's broken in the systems that we are using right now, and we have absolutely no idea. And somewhere in a dark room, somewhere somebody's like laughing their ass off because they're going over everything that we do every day. To protect those things. I mean, that's the difference between a senior security person and, and anybody else in our field. If you're a senior security person, you know how bad <laughs> all the you know where the bodies are, are buried. Yeah, are around us. <laughs> you, you know that this is a this is a matrix esque environment it's, that we, we we travel in. It's mm-hmm. the difference between what keeps you awake at night and what do you mean sleep? <laughs> right. right and 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 how long and how long is your non-compete ex- agreement <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean eventually you just have to let it go you just have to realize i can't i'm not going to lose sleep over it because it's out of my control <laughs> and then you become out. then you become a is that when you reach a staff level of- no that that's the that's the curve right you've got like five percent who, who don't don't care about it everybody panicking in here and then the five percent who said Eh, whatever. Well, and the trick yeah. is to what is the trick is to watch stock stock sales because those senior people usually get stock options, and if they start <laughs> to sell like crazy, <laughs> cover channel. Uh, <laughs> you you wanted some controversy. Okay, let, let let's let's see if I can get some internal bug bounties. 
Uh, isn't that just QA? Yeah, the people isn't that just QA anymore. Yeah, but apparently you get paid if you actually find something. I thought those were gone. I thought people stopped doing internal bug bounties. Hackathons? Are those also called hackathons, maybe? If you're nice about it, I guess. Yeah, but like <laughs> you get a you get a t-shirt or a coffee mug or something. They're not no, nobody's I've, paying cash for those. I've seen I've seen cash. Really? Really? But again, my, my, my question always goes to it's almost like Fiddler on the Roof. Collusion, collusion. Yeah, collusion. I can create the so, bug, and then I can. Uh, that's 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 always been my argument against internal bug bounty. It's like, why do I want to create an environment where you could introduce something to then fix it and gather a reward? That's just a bad motivation. Like, there's better. I can I can pay people for doing things like increasing their security knowledge and proving it via a training program. That's what I did at Cisco. We gave a hundred dollars when you finished the first level. And I, I was happy to send that money. It wasn't my money, but I was happy to send it to anybody <laughs> that did that money. because it was a positive motivational reward. And there was no way somebody. So, yes, yeah, somebody might have tried to game the system and they didn't learn as much. They still had to learn something. They couldn't just go in and they weren't just they, there was no way they could defraud me of the hundred dollars because they had to they had to learn something to pass the test. Right. Whereas an internal bug bounty, I've got this environment where somebody can. Somebody can game the system. I don't want to spend time trying to see if people are gaming the system. I got other bigger problems that should keep me up at night, but we've already established they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so my next, and now it's time for my announcement. My next, uh, my next career move is going to be as a CISO. Because <laughs> I can off sleep a mattress, at night. Off a mattress company. <laughs> a mattress company. <laughs> yeah. Because then you sleep at night and you're testing the product. Ooh, I, oh, that would be really bad. Dude, that's marketing. You're in, you're in marketing now. I'm going to see if there's a marketing opening at the new company where hey, I'm going to be the CEO. Here's where I draw the line. <laughs> Ezar refuses to, uh, to, to join the, the, the marketing forces. No. All right. No. Well, I think that's enough for today. I think uh, we certainly picked some rocks up, threw them around, looked underneath them crack them together and uh somebody's and probably by, upset at this point and by but, now our our listeners who are listening at the gym are like punching that bag harder that's or true we're big in australia we have established that already so hey folks thanks for listening to the security table uh find a way if you have other thoughts on bug bounty find a way to get them to us we'd love to to hear what you're what you're thinking about this and if you disagree with something let us know. and if you have something that you think that we should discuss ad nauseum let us know. Yeah, we're always we're looking always, for something interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're always we're always spending thirty minutes considering what we need to discuss along the way. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> that, that does conclude this episode of Under the Security Table. 